Hey everyone, and welcome to the Yes I Can podcast, where our mission is to inspire and empower you to transform your life and transform the world by being fully, unapologetically, authentically you. I'm your host, Paul Can, and every week we are going to share amazing stories, strategies, and coaching to help you break through your limiting beliefs and supercharge your greatest superpower, the power of you. Your best life awaits. Let's go. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Yes, I Can podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, and I think this just might be my favorite episode yet because we have a (laughs) very, very special guest who nothing in my life, well, not nothing, I guess everything up until I met her would not have been possible without her. Um, She is literally the backbone of everything I do. She's the backbone of our family. She is my biggest supporter. She is also my biggest cheerleader. She's also the best therapist and coach in the world. And um, she is also the mother of my child. And she is also my partner in in, in life as well as my best friend. And she's hilarious just like in her own quirky way i think i could just spend hours talking to her and we laugh about the stupidest stuff but it's literally like we're, we're soulmates and she is one of the smartest people i know and she is the light in my life that reminds me to be joyful and reminds me of the beauty in life because i can't bogged down by all of the crap most of the time and she is the wind beneath my wing so i have my wife uvu can with me on the show today (laughs) (laughs) so welcome on my show i guess and for those of you that don't even know she's she's the one that's been editing all my podcasts for like most of my podcasts up until recently so she is like literally the jack of all trades in our household like she is (laughs) the editor of my podcast she's my social media manager she's like my advisor slash therapist and coach (laughs) and also like wife and best friend and also just like um cook and (laughs) and maid nanny and 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 everything and they're really so so welcome to the yes i can podcast we were sitting the other day and i was just like why have we never done a podcast before because we have these like amazing conversations that i just wish we record the best things we ever do is go on car rides because we get the talk so yeah um this is like you guys coming in and sitting it's literally sitting in our living room because it (laughs) is (laughs) well i was i was telling you i don't know if we actually want to have these kind of conversations and have it out in public because we laugh for hours on end we and do. Then we're not politically correct no. a lot of the times and and that's i think that's the beautiful part of our conversations is that we're able to go deep and we're able to have these raw conversations and that really was what sparked all of this we're like why aren't we putting this out there because i these are the conversations that it's kind of like red red table with red table talk yeah yeah but it's like in your day at your dinner table <laughs> The can tabletop. And the can tabletop. <laughs> it's just two of us. Yeah. And the really funny thing, actually, is that I, I feel like we're actually inviting people to our table because <laughs> people can't see it right now. But there's like a the only thing that's holding this mic <laughs> is a giant high chair, which is our our son's <laughs> high chair. Because we were trying to find something that would be able to be sitting between us. Because my usual microphone is not for two people. And we had to borrow this, my brother-in-law's <laughs> Yeti microphone so we could record this conversation. And we're like, where do we put this? And so there's this giant, for those of you that can't see, you can imagine it, between us, this high chair with a Pikachu sitting in it. So it's almost like you're sitting at our dinner table. But um, anyways, that's a snapshot so into welcome. our life. So welcome. Welcome. <laughs> you can see how dysfunctional this is. Well, thank but, you for know, having me, really. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm really happy that we get to, to like sit down and have this conversation because I feel like actually these moments are so rare these days since we've had a baby. Yeah, Kairos is asleep. We see him on the monitor right now. We're like, hey, please don't wake up. Let mommy, daddy film this episode and, and then and then we'll take care of your needs. Yeah, we're sparing you right now because usually we have our, our nanit monitor on and it sounds like Darth Vader in the background. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's what sounds like that's <laughs> what I'm working is here in the background, but <laughs> we're going to spare you not have that. So 
anyways, <laughs> the whole point was not just to have you listen to us just talk about nonsense. Well, I think this is a great segue because it really it's is. kind of like, how do you be entrepreneurs and raise a child, do the both and, be a husband, be a wife, and like you were just introducing me in the beginning, be a jack mm. of all trades. Yeah. How do you do it all? And uh, like, thank you for that incredible introduction. And I just sometimes feel like I'm just trying to figure it all out. Right. And, and, and I think that is really what we want to talk about today, right? Yeah. I, I think a lot of people, first of all, just to back up a little bit. So both me and my wife are entrepreneurs. My wife is amazing at social media and she has her own social media channels, which go follow her, Lulu Can on Instagram and on Facebook. And she she's just really good at that. I am not. I hate social media and I just kind of <laughs> do it um, here and there. Um, but she loves it and she is really, really great at it. She's amazing videographer. She's amazing photographer. And a lot of people look at our lifestyle. And I think a lot of people think that we're kind of crazy because mm -hmm. it is really unconventional. Like it's one thing to have one partner be an entrepreneur and that already is tough enough. But to have both, it really is kind of insane sometimes. Like, I mean, I kind of look back and I don't really know how we do this, yeah, how, how, we've, did start? how, how, did, we how we've been able to do this, but I thought it'd be really great to offer people the insight into like a really authentic conversation around what it's really like to have both partners in the marriage go after their dream and not have it be a both a, a one or the other, but that it can really be a both end and you can raise a child and you can have a family and you can still have a, an incredible marriage. And you can still go after your vision. So I think a lot of times it's it's easy to look on the outside. And I'm sure most people wonder, like, one world they do all day long. <laughs> I kind of wonder that sometimes too. But like, how do they do it? Um, and I think it would be a really great opportunity to offer um, a, a look into our worlds and, and have a bit of a conversation around authentically what it looks like and what it takes and and share some of the challenges along the way. And also I think some of the epiphanies and breakthroughs that we've had in our journey. Um, I think we were entrepreneurial before we even realized we were entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. like, I think you're, you are definitely the one that sparked the entrepreneur spirit in our relationship. Yeah. I know for sure. I'm not someone to work in a traditional workspace as in working in corporate or just having a nine to five and going to work and coming back home. I know that it became stuffy. And I started picking up on that pattern when I'd work a job and I started this pattern of, and, and you would be like, Hey babe, you're not really staying at a job. That was Catholic. extremely frustrating. I was under <laughs> a year. I'd be like, so Hey, I think let's move on to a new company. <laughs> and, and I realized, you know, at first, and that's the thing about discovering yourself as an entrepreneur entrepreneur or just really anything in life is that you don't realize it. And then you start kind of looking at the breadcrumbs and picking up on the pattern. And then what I realized was, wow, I get bored. And once I've learned what I need to learn, I like to move on and I want a different experience. I want that every day is not the same kind of experience. And then it just so happened when we were, when we were married and we were in Saskatoon, in the middle of nowhere yeah. and I was waiting for my PR and I had nothing to do, but to wait around all day long. We were like, Hey, let's start this videography company. You know, of course, based on other experiences that we'd had, but that was really what started it. Well, but here's the thing is actually that I never wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I think some people that know me kind of after I started this journey would be like, what? But I never wanted to be an entrepreneur at yeah. all. Like I wanted to work <laughs> a corporate job. I wanted to move up the corporate ladder. And I even said to myself when I was really young and even in my teenage and, and early twenties, I'm like, I would never be an entrepreneur. It's like, I don't like the risk. I don't like go at the up and down roller coaster of being an entrepreneur. It is way too risky for me. And it is way too uncertain for me. I love, I like certainty. And so I never thought in a million years that I would be an entrepreneur. And I think it really was our very first wedding that we shot, which kind of to like bring it back a little bit. So I was, I was taking photos as a hobby 
And that's actually how me and we first connected was I was like taking photos and kind of like creeping on you and taking photos. Oh gosh, <laughs> this guy is so deep. He appreciates all the small. Yeah, and you thought it was like so great. Yeah, but it was <laughs> it was like traveling was the only time I took out my camera because like <laughs> I felt like there was nothing to take photos of my in my regular day to day life. And um, before uh before we got married, I was sharing my hobby of photography with my previous manager. And what then year was this? This, is so this was so actually funny. before we got married. So it was in 2013. And that was when I first started my job at PepsiCo. And I was telling my manager about how I did photography on this, not on the side even. It was like as a hobby. And he was like, oh, would you like to do my family photos? And um. I was like, sure, why not? He's like, yeah, I'll get you a gift card, which by the way, he never got me that gift card. So whatever. <laughs> Anyways, I took photos of him and his family and he so happened to share it with another, uh, the director at our company. And our director is like, hey, just randomly came up to me. It's like, do you want to shoot my daughter's wedding? <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I've never shot a wedding before, but if you, I can, if you're okay with that. He's when like, was your boss's daughter? That's a, That's a lot of pressure. I'm like, I don't, I've never, I don't even know what that would look Let's like. Let's not get fired over this. Yeah, I know. It's like, I could get, this could uh, impact my entire career. So yeah. you better not screw this up. And then I just, he's like, how much do you, do you, do you charge? So I just gave him a random number. I was like, I don't know. It was like $2,000 or something like that. He's like, sure. Okay. And then he just sent me money. And I was like, what the heck? <laughs> but that's not even the funny part of it because we shot this wedding right after we got married. Mm. And then. You I'm- barely knew how to operate a camera. <laughs> yeah. We literally, and for those of you like to illustrate how newbie we were, we literally bought a flash based off of just research and picked it up in Calgary yeah. the night before the wedding and was YouTubing how to use this flash. <laughs> and we rented another camera because we didn't have another camera. Oh, and you barely even knew how to like, you even know what Yeah, ISO I'm usually the one that you're shot. taking photos of. I'm the model. Right, you're you, the model. You're the photographer. Totally. And this time I was like, hey, I get to hold the camera. And I was like, okay, you set the settings. I'll just take the shots. Yeah, yeah. Let's go. Yeah, and then we were so crazy. Like most people would be like, that is insane. Like there's no way. And we pulled it off. Yeah. We looked like we knew what we were doing, but we really didn't know. I mean, that is the essence of fake it to make it at the very beginning of our career. You just got to like kind of put up the front that you you know what you're doing and just go for it anyway. Sometimes and like figure it out on the fly because- Here's the thing that, you know, now I'm reflecting, I feel like really worked for us is that we didn't fully know what we were doing, but we had a, an idea of what we thought we were doing, but we worked our ass off. Yes. We worked our ass off. Like if there was nothing else, like we were incredible with our work ethic. Like we nonstop for like over 12 hours. Yeah. Like we're, barely like, even if stopped we're not going to get you sharp photos and we miss little moments. We're going to get you like a lot of photos. A thousand photos. <laughs> And we're going to make sure that <laughs> we're around and we give you the best service. Quantity for quality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and, and I still remember like my arms are like aching afterwards yeah. and it was so exhausting. But then we had that moment where we just looked at each other and was like, oh, I'm so exhausted. But that was so incredible. Like it was so magical. And I feel like there was something there. And that was the start of canoe productions well, the, the fire the fire the fire start of our entire entrepreneurial journey um well and you know like just now as you've kind of painted that picture it's so crazy because that was almost a decade ago you think about it 2013 almost yeah. a, like nine years yeah yeah next year like 10 that's a decade yeah of us having gone through this journey of working our asses off, mm-hmm. kind of like working hard, putting in the time and you sacrifice a lot of things mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur that other families traditional could, could have like, Hey, let's go and take the kids to the zoo. Right. I don't mm-hmm. think we've ever gone to the zoo. Literally. Yeah. I want to talk about that because when we built canoe productions and for those of you that know, or don't know me and U built ended up building a wedding videography company. We haven't even done videography before (laughs) actually had never done videography before and we were just like okay let's go do this and it was funny because we didn't even want to do photography because we liked video but um i was still doing this while doing a full-time job so this was really just like on the side during like extra work extra hours after work and um it was the craziest thing because 
you were the one that was like, I really think we could do it. Like it took us from that moment. That was September and took us until, what was it? I think it was April that Mm -hmm. we were like officially like put on an ad on Kijiji saying like, we'll do, we'll give you the barn for 500 bucks. (laughs) It was like engagement shoot. It was like, we're just the like wedding. Now we'll never offer that. Yeah, that again. was terrible because that that was like, that's like <laughs> after that's the how first you wedding, start. right? Yeah. But I think you there was. See, I would never have said yes if you didn't say, "Let's do it." Mm-hmm. Like I think there's something about you where you're just you're like the oh let's go for it anyways person in our relationship, and you have such a tolerance for risk, mm-hmm. and I think that is the reason why we've been on this path that we, we have created this life is, and that would not have happened because I definitely wouldn't have said yes on my own. Well, you know, I want to pause here because you're not giving yourself enough credit because here's a crazy thing as we tell these stories and thank you for that. But as we tell these stories, what I just noticed right now is that I'm the type of person that really enjoys the journey. You focus yeah, on the destination. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> But I love the journey. Yeah. So, you know, maybe as we're like figuring out how we're going to pay the bills and, you know, we're on uh, uh, food stamps, I'm kind of like, all right, you know, this is the climax and we're going to get through this. And you're like, this fucking sucks. Yeah, I'm this sorry, sucks. My I, I am like in a corner in fetal position. Yeah. Most of the time. <laughs> and then, you know, when we get over the hump, then you're like, oh my God, we've arrived at a rest stop. Thank the Lord Jesus. And then I'm over here like, all right, I'm ready for the next part. You know, let's jump in the car and Mm -hmm. let's go. And I think that part about you and me is what really works. Kind of like, you know, I've got, I'm the type of person where I can handle certain bits of risks, but you are, as I've always said, you execute the plan. Like Mm -hmm. I'll come up with the crazy idea and I'll say, hey, what do you think about like, that crazy example of we were going to shoot a client's wedding and this was mm-hmm. the first big wedding. Yeah. And we were going to choose between this other client that had a hundred, a hundred attendees mm-hmm. versus 400. Or no, 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 no. It was a, it was like 30 people or oh, something. Yeah, yeah. That was a very small wedding. Yeah. 30 versus how much was it? I, I think it was like, it was huge. Uh, like 200, 300 people. Or something. I, I think it was yeah. like, yeah, two yeah. to 300. And that was our first videography wedding. Yeah, Very we first. were still taking things out of the box when we were shooting. We our love literally story. took it out of the box as they arrived. Yeah, and put it together. <laughs> yeah, and and the point was we deciding between hey, do we shoot this wedding over here, which is maybe we can handle it a little bit better, yeah. less people to worry about, versus this other the wedding that we're like. See, oh my I would I was gonna take the dinky wedding. Yeah, so I'd be like, hey, let's like work it out. But you're like, no, go big or go home, and that's like the crazy energy in our relationship that you push us to go for it. I am tend to be more conservative and calculated. So I think the part of it though, is that when you are like, Hey, let's go. It gives me permission to like go for it too. And that's been one vice versa, because I would never have shot that wedding by myself. Mm. Even if I was like, my God, yeah, I'm so ready. Let's do it. But I need somebody beside me that can execute. And that's the part of, you know, bringing people along with you, even when you've got a vision, because you can't do it by yourself. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so grateful that I found you to be my life partner because you're so competent. <laughs> That's the best way I can describe you. When you are enrolled, meaning you believe in something, and I'm able to get you to believe in my crazy ideas. Yeah, that part takes a bit. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you've got this like incredible brain where you can kind of figure out the nitty gritties. And see, like, I'm not good with the details. You meet with the clients. You figure out all the back-end work. I'm the one that kind of, like, is our team rally. You're the social media. Yeah. You're, like, the back-end stuff. Yeah, I love the storytelling. Yeah. I I love, like, crafting together the idea of the company and posting it and having people, like, believe in what we're creating. Yeah. And you're the one that's like, hey, let's get down to the numbers. Yeah. Let's figure out how we're going to actually go and shoot this wedding and, and deliver the product. Right. And that is what works between us. So I think all of this to say when you're starting on your entrepreneurial journey, find someone, if you're not going at it alone, mm-hmm. someone that compliments you, even if you don't know it yet, yeah. there's a feeling there. And I think when we married each other, we knew there was something there. Like, of course, every marriage has its like ups and downs, but there's something about us that we were able to take into being 
you know, entrepreneurs that absolutely worked. Yeah. And I, I want to talk about that piece because it's, it's really easy to skip over like that song. Let's skip to the good part. <laughs> but there was so much in between that I think it, it would, it would not do the full journey justice to not talk about it. And I think that is the part that needs to be talked about is the parts that were hard and the parts that were challenging and the parts that were sometimes devastating. And I love what you said around sometimes when you get started at the very beginning, you don't have the courage to do it yourself. So find someone to do it with. And I'm really glad that we did because we weren't ready to individually be entrepreneurs on our own. And so we started off as partners. And I think we learned so much in that journey, aside from just the whole, you know, oh, what the heck, go for it anyways. And jumping and going for it and risking and the hustling, like the nights for those, uh, you know, when we first started, we didn't have a clue how to shoot weddings, Mm. videography wise. And we literally at dinner would be watching Ray Roman. We just watched one crash course. And we would just take notes and we would just kind of figure it out. And we learned really quickly, which was amazing. And we, we created incredible success with Canoe Productions. I mean, we went from literally shooting, shooting weddings for 500 bucks to six months later being paid, what, five, $6,000 to shoot weddings, yeah. being flown all over North, Northern America. And the part, though, that I, I want to talk about, because there is, it's not, it's not easy. and anywhere worth going, there is always challenges that come with it. Mm. And for us, Canoe Productions actually almost destroyed our marriage. It was probably one of the toughest times for us because we got thrown into being a a new couple. Yeah. And on top of that, getting married, going to a new country and becoming business partners, starting a whole new company together and just like figuring it out. That's crazy. Yeah, it's like we got a crash course on our on our marriage because we had to accelerate handling the things in our marriage that probably wouldn't have come up for like another I don't know ten years maybe. Yeah. Until probably kids came well, along. You, we and were after also kids dating maybe. long distance, so right. all of that. There's a lot of I think a lot of things that you don't know about each other when you're dating long distance. Your communication is really great. Yeah, I think that's the thing about us. And then you get married and we've never lived together. Right. We've never like other than when we were abroad, which yeah. was what, three months? Yeah. <laughs> so much. we've never been together. Right. And now it's like, hey, you're married and a lot you know, your parents and a lot of people told us not to start a business at first year of marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's enough pressure. Yeah. To learn how to be a couple mm. and be married. And I think that is right challenging itself. And we're like, yeah, yeah, we're gonna up that. Like that's <laughs> too boring for us. And that's just like People look at us and that's like the craziness about our relationship. And we were like, let's start a business. Like probably not a great idea, but all the crap came out. Mm. It's like, it's kind of like you're going in to an infestation and you got to like get the stuff out, get the rodents out. You're kind of like drawing it out. And I feel like that's what the business did was it drew out a lot of the crap. That was underneath the surface that many people don't see until years into their marriage, like the toxic behavior and the patterns and the anger and how do you handle pressure and the underlying kind of need for control. I know for me, like handling my emotions and how do you deal with using your voice or not using your voice, you know? Well, you know, what's so funny is that people... I feel like what you're painting right now is a great example of people say when you're dating, yeah. f- travel with them right. and you'll figure out whether or not there's somebody that yeah, you can be quite with. Mild compared uh, yeah. to- <laughs> so this is a version of like, when you're married, Hey, start, start business. a business together. <laughs> you'll figure, re- it's you'll crash, figure out whether or not. It's either like crash course to, or like speed it up to divorce or speed yeah, yeah. it up to an amazing marriage. Either you can crash go either and way. Burn or crash you're going to fly, fly in the air. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, we'll go for it. Yeah. We it's lost a few wings and tires true. along the way. Very true. Very true. Yeah. But I think one thing to highlight about that is that we discovered a lot of things that um, were patterns for us. I mean, spe- sp- mm. like individually, because for me, what came out was 
I didn't know how to deal with a partner who was also a spouse. But aside from that piece, like being in, in business together and handling challenges and handling problems that would come up. Because I would get really frustrated and I would handle it from the perspective of how I've had to do it myself my whole life, like my perception of just do it. What's your problem? Just do it. Power through it. Just, yeah. It's not that hard. Well, just figure it out. We can paint the picture very clear because yeah. so a big problem that came up in the, mar- yeah. in the, in the business was that we would shoot the wedding yeah. and then Paul worked the photo time job and I would be the one that was responsible for editing the film. But what started happening was I couldn't edit and deliver the film on time. So by deadline, he'd come home and it'd be like, oh, hey, I was depressed again and I didn't, I wasn't productive again and I didn't have the skills to be able to deliver this and, and get it to you. And then also at that moment, Paul's like, hey, I, I, what do you mean you again couldn't edit this piece? And so I've got to do it. And for the longest time, I didn't understand why. I've got work ethic. I've, I work hard. I was just dumbfounded mm-hmm. as to why I couldn't get these films out. And, and why was I now looking back for you? Yeah. To you, share? you know, now looking back, like there's a big piece and all videographers talk about this. And actually this is a big piece of entrepreneurs, your workflow. And when you don't have coworkers and you don't have people to collaborate with, and when you're in the same place over and over again, cabin fever sinks in. And I didn't have any friends. I didn't know how to create a workflow where it was like, you know, when you're working at a job, you talk about this a lot where it's like your boss tells you, Hey, on your calendar today, you've got ABCDE and you've got to deliver on those. But every day I was deciding, and this is kind of like going back to what we were talking about, all the little crumbs that you start picking up on. Although I didn't like working at an office and I liked that flexibility. I was used to that kind of atmosphere. So now, woo, I'm in the place that I want to be, which is to be an entrepreneur. But I didn't know how to craft Mm. my day-to-day. I didn't know how to deliver something on time and how to motivate myself and how to get myself into like a routine and, and take care of my mental health and love myself and all those things that now I understand about myself. And I think that was a big part of our journey which was you were always like, hey, what is wrong with you? How do I help mm. you? And I didn't even know how to mm. like tell you what I needed. Mm. And so that was really what caused a lot of the, the, the problems, I would say, early on in our marriage. And then also every time you would come home, I'd feel like you lacked the empathy to understand what I was going through, which I didn't know how to articulate. Mm-hmm. So if you know someone's listening here, and you're an entrepreneur and you're starting out on your journey and this is kind of what you're going through, I would suggest to really find a community because then we started looking for Facebook groups and we found Facebook videographer wedding groups. And I started to see that everybody had the same problem. Mm -hmm. They couldn't deliver their films on time Mm -hmm. because they were like, oh, you know, workflow. And I, when I'd empty my SD card, memory cards, I just have to go in and I hate this part and I don't know how to get myself. Well, and I don't want to pause there because I think this is really important to address not just the mechanism of workflow because mm-hmm. it's easy to just be like, oh, you just need to do A, B, C, D, E and you're managing a project. But actually there is the mental health behind it and the mindset behind it and, and your emotional health behind it is real. Mm-hmm. Being an entrepreneur, and that was the biggest challenge for me as well when I started Yes, I Can coaching and consulting was the, the aspect of you're in this alone and to feel the weight of this needs to work out because it's in my hands. When you work in a company, you screw up. Yeah, you there's repercussions and there's consequences, but you have a team around you that can support you. You have people that are managing different things and can support you and can mentor you. When you are an entrepreneur, it can be extremely lonely. And to to your point, you had cabin fever because you stay at home and you don't commute and you don't go anywhere. And that's the biggest thing that I think many of us face when uh, the COVID hit was because everyone was just staying at home and you wouldn't go anywhere. So I really think it's important to address and not skip over the mental health component of it and how important it is to take care of yourself and find people that can support you. Because it's not even just about 
I feel like the Facebook community wasn't even up. It was nice just to see, oh yeah, there are other people out there that struggle. But at the same time, that human connection piece of getting out of the house, meeting people, having a community, having people in your corner that can support you is so incredibly crucial. And having someone in your corner that can be a third party that isn't in the business with you to be able to have this like third party view and and objective view of being able to support you is so incredibly important because to your point i didn't know how to be empathetic i didn't have the skills to be empathetic because no one's ever been empathetic to me my entire life and i definitely haven't been empathetic towards myself so for me i just felt so frustrated because i'm like i'm telling you to do it And I'm trying all these different ways where it's like, I either am coming down with the hammer and getting angry and that's not working. Okay. I'll leave it to you and then be completely just apathetic. That didn't work out. And so I really didn't know where to go. And it's, it's really important to realize that all of us are, are limited to the toolbox that we bring into the job. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important to highlight that it's not that there's something wrong with you. It's that you have a limited toolbox. Mm -hmm. And for us at that time, at 25, we had a pretty limited toolbox for leadership skills, for communication skills, problem handling skills, like the the emotional intelligence skills. We're limited. And so I just want to highlight here that when you feel like there's something wrong with you, it's not that there's something wrong with you. It's that you may be lacking the toolbox to help you get the job done. So you just need the right tools in place to be able to do that. And obviously we didn't know anything about, you know, coaching back then or, you know, any kind of emotional intelligence work or inner work or anything like that. We were kind of trying to just like rough it, like tough it out. Right. And really a big part when you talk about that and what I realize now really supports me when I get in the dump is understanding our traumas, our family traumas, Mm, things that we bring in, our patterns. Huge. That, you know, I want to say we're almost nurtured with, we're born and then nurtured Nurtured to have those. For sure. And to be able to be aware, right? And then break through those at every moment that it comes up. Because I was the first in my family to graduate from university and have a, a bachelor's degree. So I had at that point, everything that I built in my toolbox, a lot of it came from you know, like gorilla streets, like trying to just, you know, get to where I was. Yeah, like MacGyver it. Yeah, yeah MacGyver it. And, and so I think now I, I feel definitely more mature in, in what I've added into my life to really cope with things that when I'm down, like I'm still trying to, you know me, I'm, <laughs> I can be extroverted when I need to be, mm. but I am very much introverted. I love to, you know, create my content in my room. And that's why I'm a content creator. I like to, tell stories when I'm all by myself. And I'm, I, I understand there is value in having a, a community. For example, when I had my church community before I moved to Canada, I loved that. And then what I didn't have was even though we need a, you know, I would say like professional community, it's good to also have friends that you can mm-hmm. just go and, you know, shoot, shoot whatever with when you hang out, go drink ca- like coffee with and, go eat out with, just take a breather, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just like full on, full steam ahead. And even now I'm still trying to yeah, get, like have something like that, right? Well, and something as well in terms of that full steam ahead, just going for it. I think a lot of times there's the misconception around you just got to hustle, 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 and then you'll make it. And we did, we hustled mm-hmm. like crazy hard. Like the type of stuff that we do, I just want to share really briefly, the type of stuff that I don't even know how we pulled off. Like, for example, we would, I was working a full-time job, which was more than a full-time job. I don't even think I ever worked 40 hours. It was probably more like 70 hours a week. And flying overnight on a Friday night to fly to a different city, shoot the wedding the next morning, catch a red eye that night to another city on the other side of the country, shoot that, like wake up in the morning at like you flew red eye. I woke up at 5 a.m. to catch a flight shoot the wedding and then fly all the way back home. Like that was the type of stuff we would do. And then I'd go back to work on Monday. Well, and it was so risky because I had to 
get there first. Right. I was shooting the bridal prep first. Yeah. And then you got there and yeah. shot the groom prep because that right. happened a bit later. Right. So had anything happened yeah. and you were late, I mean, but, but at that point we had been, we'd been doing this for a while and we kind of, you know, we knew how yeah, to handle it, but down, yeah. that was crazy. It was crazy. It was, and we were, <laughs> it was so emotionally exhausting because yeah. the Friday night that I flew in, I was still editing yeah. the film for oh the couple. And I never slept that entire night. I edited all the way until like 7 a.m. in the morning. And this was from working the entire day. And then we'd edit all the way, I'd edit all the way in the morning. And then we wake up, we shot that wedding for another 12 hours. And then I'd fly a flight the next morning at 5 a.m. and go to the other side of the country, which is two time zones away, shoot that wedding, and then basically fly back to Saskatoon where we were living, which was in another city in the middle. Yeah. So like the type of stuff we were doing was in sane and here's the thing we hustled we totally hustled and at the same time even though we hustled and we did create um, a, a really incredible amount of success in a very short amount of time mm -hmm. what we were not taught was at what price mm. at what price i mean we both came from families where that wasn't modeled in a healthy way i mean my dad was workaholic work 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 all the time work is his life and my mom always talked about sacrifice as well as she worked a ton before too and your dad worked himself to the bone yeah carried the whole family and it was all about hard work hard work hard work but what we don't talk about very often is at what price and that price was our marriage mm -hmm. because the business the hustling seeped into our relationship mm -hmm. and didn't leave room for things like empathy things like intimacy yeah. things well, we like were going connection. so fast we didn't have time to take a pause to kind of just right. like hey what's the temperature rating right now how are you feeling which i feel like we do a lot right now yeah. every recalibrate like, yeah just i would say like at least minimum once a week we're always like hey you know how are things going and we've learned that and now we're able to implement that yeah. but back then probably even more often than that. full steam yeah at yeah. the minimum but back then it was a full, full steam ahead. Like it just didn't matter. We didn't full speed. It wasn't a priority. Yeah. And well, we didn't know how to. Yeah, we didn't know yet. how to. It wasn't a tool in our toolbox. Yeah. We didn't know we that traveled. was important. I mean, we did things that were really great now that I think back to. I mean, we, we still had incredible memories and time together. Yeah. But there is such a there's there's a difference when you're just like out and about and there's quality actually dating each other and having date nights, yes. which we implement now, right? Yeah, like we would just go out. And we would eat, and that's a date night, but we barely talk. And I sometimes wouldn't even know what to talk about. And if you actually look around in restaurants, and we talk about this all the time, you look around restaurants, a lot of couples are just on their phone. They're not really talking to each other. Mm. And it's because we live in this world, actually, where people are very disconnected, and couples become very disconnected. And if you don't nurture that, you don't spend the time in it, it's not worth it. I was talking to someone, um, sorry, not that's not worth it. It doesn't, it does, it gets it gets put to the side and it's not prioritized, it's not prioritized. and then it, it withers away. It's kind of like one of those things you don't yeah. water the plant. It doesn't grow. I was listening to, there was this one person I was talking to the, the other day and they were sharing with me how their main focus is full out to build generational wealth mm. for their family. And that was what was most important to this person. And they worked every single day and there was never time off. And it was because they were committed to the next generation's well-being and being able to set them up to be successful. Mm -hmm. And he, this person was saying how they made a joke with their friend and they were saying the difference. What, what do you call um, a father that is, uh, focused on building generational wealth. They said, oh, deadbeat father. And then he was laughing about that. And it was really interesting to me because that's actually the mentality of a lot of society is that you can't have one or the other, that it has to be sacrificed. Like the, 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 it's either you have your relationship and your family and you have the closeness with your children and your family, or you can have wealth and you can have success. And we chased after the success part and we did it at the expense of 
everything else. And I think for us, if anything, we came to a point where it became so toxic because of the lack of care that we were putting into the relationship, the lack of stopping and connecting and working on ourselves and the self-awareness and and doing the work to create intimacy and being able to create compassion in our relationship that it was breaking our marriage apart. And I think for some people, they're like, yeah, that's the end of it. But I think what I am really proud of in our relationship is that at that point, it wasn't a, well, that's that. And we can't go any further because I've tried everything. Because I did feel like I had tried everything at that point. I was like trying to reinvent myself in all the ways I could with the toolbox that I had available. And all of it was not working. And it was so incredibly frustrating. But I think at that point, many people can look at it and say, that's it. We're done. We're divorced. But I think what really worked for us is that we we went and did the hard work. And it's not easy. Yeah. To say, I'm not going to quit. Let's let's figure this out together. Let's go all the way. And let's truly see if there's something that we can create from this and rebirth this marriage. Yeah, well, and I, I also, I love, I love how you painted that. And I also kind of want to backtrack, backtrack a little bit and give a disclaimer that there, you know, if you are someone who goes full steam ahead because you're building generational wealth for your families, that's cool, yeah. right? Like you said, if that's what you're willing to sacrifice, because in everything, and I think we've learned this in maybe just like a conversation we had two nights ago about how everything comes with a, sh- a shit sandwich, right? Yeah. There are sacrifices that you you get to make in areas of your life. And it's it's kind of knowing though, that that's what you're, what's happening. So you're aware of it, right? Like my dad is an example of someone who worked, 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 worked. I mean, he spent a lot of time with, I never, ever remembered not spending quality. Your dad made an effort to really, like that was really important for him to show up as a dad. I'm not saying that if you work hard, it means that you don't show up. Yeah, no. And and, and what my point is actually that our relationship, there are a lot of people where as you walk a path together, because there's growing pains and people grow and they change. Mm -hmm. And I think what, I know now is that I will continue to learn about you every day as you change and fall in love with the different version of who you are, because you're not who I fell in love with. Right. Mm -hmm. But that is what I find now most interesting that I get to learn about who you are. But sometimes when couples start maybe a business together, and this is what we could have done was when you change and you start seeing things that are different about the person, you could be like, Oh, I don't want to live with you. I don't choose to be married to you any longer, or Mm. this doesn't work. And then maybe the resentment, what the pain, the trauma that is caused, because there was a lot that definitely boiled up in our marriage. They can say, Hey, I'm going to walk away now. I don't want any more. I don't want to do any more work. And I think that was what happened to me. Right. Mm -hmm. It got to a point where I was like, Hey, I still want to be married to you because I don't believe in quitting in a marriage, but let's not live together. I don't want anything to do with you. And you're like, what do you, what do you mean? That makes no sense. And you were like, okay, you know what? I want to keep figuring it out together. Are you in? And the other person gets to say, yeah, they get to choose. choose. I wanted to say one thing in that, there is always a price to pay. So when you're saying like, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. It's like you you always have the free will to choose. And I think a lot of times, and this is my perspective, is that when we only focus on one facet of what success looks like, it's because we don't see the flip side of the coin. And we were actually talking about this the other day. Mm. When you're only focusing on the material aspect, maybe a certain aspect of what success looks like. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's, Hey, I'm creating generational wealth, but you don't consider the part of emotional wealth, which is, is there a relationship between you and your children? Do you, and and now that we have our child, now that we have, have, have Kairos, I really think about this because I went through that because here's the thing. You got to consider the price that will be paid. And I think a lot of times this isn't thought about because it's been seen over and over many children that 
are rich, but do not have the affection and love and time attention from their parents deeply affects them emotionally for the rest of their life. It creates a trauma. And so you got to understand that there is a cause and effect. There is a price that will be paid. And that price could be that as they become adults and they move into adulthood and they move into them becoming a parent and them becoming a spouse, that it is going to affect and could negatively affect and have a profound impact on the way that they show up in their relationship. They show up in their life because you weren't present. Mm-hmm. And that 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 is real. And I think a lot of times that is actually just not thought about because it's like, hey, I'm creating wealth and it looks like this. But what is wealth at the end of the day, right? Is wealth just about money? Mm-hmm. Or is wealth also about joy? Is wealth also about emotional wealth? Mm-hmm. Is wealth also about not just joy, but being able to have peace, being able to have compassion and a family and a home of with filled with love and warmth and light and being able to to have that type of relationship with your child where you have a relationship with your child i think the very thing that actually and i'm really glad that i had this moment when i was going through school and i wanted to become a lawyer i remember a distinct moment sitting in a Q&A forum, and it was with a very, very successful lawyer. And he shared how he didn't have a relationship with his children. He was very, very successful as a lawyer. He's like, my wife my wife raised all my children. I don't have a relationship with my children. I don't know them. And I think a lot of people during COVID realize that. They're like, holy crap, I don't know what to say to my kids. I don't know what they like. I don't know my kids, and they don't know me. And here's the thing is that if you look at right now, because we pay attention to a lot of parenting resources, that the way that children act out, the way that children behave is a reflection of their relationship with their parents. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times if they're acting out in anger or they're acting out in a certain way, et cetera, et cetera, it's because there is something missing from their relationship with you. Yeah. We learned that from zero to eight, everything that happens to a child or not happens or what the child's seeking that becomes traumas or or things that they carry with them into the the rest of their lives. And I I love that you painted that picture. And, you know, I'm, I'm always playing devil's advocate with you. And I think this is where you get really irritated whenever we talk, (laughs) because when I look at a man such as, you know, let's call him Jimmy, who says, I'd rather be a deadbeat dad. Right. Mm -hmm. We don't understand, and maybe he doesn't even understand where he comes from. Right. Right. He doesn't under that's the thing, is I was like, you, you don't really know what you don't know. Yeah. For him, that is bettering his family. Exactly. Which yeah. is completely honorable. Yeah, because um, imagine like, let's paint, let's like create a scenario here. He's he comes from a family where he, he's like, I've never had money. Mm-hmm. We were almost evicted. Right. I I had to look at my mom, go and work and leave my little brother for me to take care of. And I never want that for my family ever again. Mm -hmm. And if that's at the expense of my kids not knowing me, I'd rather they were able to go to, you know, private schools. I was able to, I'd rather they were able to, and and then, right. Yeah. So depending on where they come from, that kind of dictates the lens that they look at life as. And I, and I think for me, like for a long time, I didn't even realize like the, the, the monetary value of money, right? Mm-hmm. Like $10,000 to me was like, Oh, that's a lot. And, and what you like a salary, what you make in a year. I'd never seen anyone else in my family make more than six figures. Right. Mm-hmm. That is like, to me, kind of like the ceiling of wow, how much you can make. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now like easily people make six figures. Right. right. And it's like, when you think about a million dollars, once you're surrounded by people who easily make a million dollars and then they're like, Oh, this is my first billion. Suddenly that number no longer holds that like scary value. And what, what I'm trying to say is that it's important for us to understand our past traumas and who we are and what we want out of life, like our vision for our life at the end of our life. And I love that you always talk about this in our Mm. family. When you're on your deathbed, mm-hmm. what do you want to not regret? What are the things that you don't want to regret? And if you're lying on your deathbed and you're like, oh my God, I never had a relationship with 
my kids and I regret that. Mm -hmm. Even though I've got millions right. upon millions in my bank account, I my kid's not here to say goodbye and I'm alone. Mm. How does that feel? Mm. But if someone's alone and they're like, hey, but I'm glad that I've set up, you know, Kenny over here and Amelia with, you know, a bunch of money and then mm. they can do it what they will get therapy. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can go get therapy <laughs> with the money that I made for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the thing is I think a lot of times we don't know what we don't know. Right. Right. It's kind of like the frog in the well. I mean, I was in that place. I didn't know that was a possibility because mm -hmm. I grew up in a family where it was like one or the other. It's like, hey, you should be very happy that your dad worked for I mean, my dad came from an extremely poor family and he worked very, very hard. And for him, he worked very hard to provide him, provide us the life that we have today, which he never had. Mm -hmm. And I think to your point, that was him in that position. And I think for him, that was him moving past where he came from and creating a better life for the future. And so it might've been at the expense of certain things, for example, a relationship with his children and being there and being also like emotionally aware and emotionally present mm -hmm. around his children. But at the same time, it, it, I agree with you. It's important to have compassion for that because you really don't know what you don't know sometimes. And I didn't know that there was a possibility of both a both and of, Oh, what if there is a possibility where you can create the life that you want and create success and create wealth. And you can have an incredible marriage and you can have an incredible relationship with your children. And I didn't, I didn't realize that until about three years ago yeah. when we started doing our own inner work. So I think if anything, I want to shine a light on possibility. And I think right. that's what this podcast is about is, possibility mm. what can be possible for you because some people don't know what's possible and didn't even know wow that is something that is could be available to me when in the past maybe all that you've been exposed to and this is already kind of like the ceiling like you said of what you saw it's like i just get to my, get my family out of poverty mm -hmm. i get to create money for my family i get to create wealth from a money standpoint and it hasn't been a perspective that has been available around yes but at what price Yes, but when you look back, what will it be at the expense of? And is that what you want? And do you want there to be another way? Because there is. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important to, to highlight that it, it's not about where you come from. And no matter where you come from, it's okay. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's about, are you open to new possibilities? And are you willing to look for different possibilities? Because I think yeah. the thing is that even though I didn't know it was available, I didn't know the answer. But I just knew something had to change and I was willing to go look for it. Yeah. And ask for support. Yeah. Because that was the biggest thing was like from for, you grew up being taught, look for support. I grew up being like, you got to figure it out. That's your survival. And I think the great thing about our relationship is that now we've gotten to a place where we are so vulnerable with each other mm -hmm. that we truly do understand each other's like, it, like things that tick us off, right? Things that we're really deeply afraid of. And I, you can say, Hey, Ooh, Hey, you're safe. Remember that thing you told me about that you're really scared of. And it's coming up right now. You're safe. I'm not here to hurt you. And I can say the same thing to you about something that I know. Whoa. Hey, if you, if you're being, if you're, using a loud voice, I can say, Hey, Paul, you're safe. I'm not trying to take mm -hmm. away your power or mm -hmm. like we can really meet each other and, and acknowledge what's coming up and then get each other to kind of like, you know, lower the temperature a little bit. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I, I love that, that we've done the work. And so really, if you're at the beginning of your self -dis discovery journey, do the work to really understand where you come from, your family patterns, who you are and what you want out of life. I don't think I, I don't think we know a single person that is like, when I die, I don't want anything to do with the people that I love mm -hmm. and I want to die alone. Like, right. Nobody wants Nobody that. Wants that. Yeah. But maybe that person is like, maybe this is what I need to sacrifice. They don't know how to do any different. Yeah. yeah. Just like me when I was sitting in Saskatoon trying to edit, mm. I didn't know any better. Mm. And you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes life teaches you along the way. And so that's why, hey, listen to some people who are maybe 10 steps ahead of you. There is mm -hmm. wisdom with experience. And so we can learn a lot 
But when you surround yourself with people who've gone there before, they can. Well, I I also want to add on to that and say that aside from the people who are 10 steps ahead of you, I think it's really important to identify that person that is 10 steps ahead of you that has the life that you want to have. So if you find someone and they're incredibly successful, a multimillionaire, but they're have relationships that that are completely in shambles. Mm -hmm. They don't have a relationship with any of their children. They are living a lifestyle that is not what you would want, Mm -hmm. but yet they have the success that you want from maybe a monetary or a business standpoint. What they're going to teach you is going to emulate what the results look like Mm -hmm. versus if you found a person that is successful and has thriving relationships in their life, has great, deep, intimate relationship with their children, where they really are connected to them and they take care of their health and they are in relationship with their family, et cetera, et cetera. If you see that person's success and you listen to what that person has to say, you are, they are going to share advice and they're going to share things that are going to emulate that type of success. So I think it's important not to just follow the accolades of success or just anyone that is successful. I think you can learn and pick up different pieces, but it's really important to keep in mind the filter of if you're going to do not ever blindly follow someone just because of their success and they just say, just because they're successful, I need to listen to them. Mm. You got to take learn to discern between the pieces that you're going to take from each person to build the vision that you want to have, or else you're going to end up following a person because of their success, but end up creating a life that is different than what you actually want. Yeah. And isn't that what social media shows all the time? People's highlight reels, right? But you don't know what's happening behind the scenes. Are they not spending time with their wives, their kids? Like you don't know what's happening Mm -hmm. behind the scenes or their husbands. Right. And I think this is the point why this conversation between the both of us is so important. We love to show you the real, the ugly, the raw. Mm. That is what happens behind the scenes because if you only saw the highlight, our highlight reel, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure it's great. Like, hey, we've got a kid now. We had, I, we did IVF. We went through infertility, almost separation, and we've got, you know, we have our own home now. And mm-hmm. just, it seems incredible, but we want to let you know that we had to sacrifice a lot along the way and all these things that we talked about and we're here now and we still have so much more to do. Yeah. I think from us, you know, to add to the sacrifice part, aside from just sacrifice, it took a lot of work mm-hmm. and not just work from a hour standpoint of I'm going to hustle and work. It took an incredible amount of work, emotional work, inner work to get to where we are. Mm-hmm. And I think that part, and I stand strongly on this, cannot be skipped. Mm-hmm. there's no way you can create a deep, intimate, connected, loving, thriving relationship without doing the inner work. Because each of us come with our own baggage and our own trauma and our own patterns from our past and our parents and so on and so forth in our childhood. We bring that into the relationship. And until you are able to do that work on yourself first, to work on yourself, to figure out, like you said, what are the patterns that are great that work and also what are the patterns that are destructive and being able to figure out where that came from being able to heal those parts of you heal those parts of yourself like your relationship with yourself you will bring that into the relationship guaranteed mm-hmm. and you can't break a pattern without understanding the root and being committed and intentional about breaking that chain mm-hmm. and so i just want to really stress that aside from the the amount of yes time sacrifice and yes sweat equity sacrifice there is also an element of inner work that needs to be done which is i think the hardest part mm-hmm. because you got to go in and really face your demons now when you say inner work explain that a little bit for people who are kind of listening to that brand new where does someone even start to start their inner work journey I think there's a lot of different places. I think there's, it, it starts with, um, you know, you could start with reading. You can start with podcasts. You can start with social media. Even you can start with YouTube. 
learning about emotional intelligence, learning about why we are the way we are, why we think the way that we think, why we create certain patterns in our lives. Why do we act a certain way? It's not random. Mm -hmm. And it isn't just, oh, my mom was that way. So I automatically show up that way. Yes, maybe your mom was that way. And you get to understand how that ended up becoming a pattern in your life as well because of a particular trauma or event that happened. So there's lots of different programs out there. I mean, for both of us, we did a transformational leadership program, HCL, that completely changed our lives, changed our marriage. And that required a lot of going in and reflection and digging deep on those traumas in our life, those moments in our life, those uh, painful points in our life that really changed the trajectory and dictated the trajectory of our lives that led us to now and created the certain patterns that we had in order to survive. So there's, you can get a coach, you can get a therapist. There's so many different types of resources out there. Mm. The inner work is really at the end of the day about understanding yourself. It's about how do I become incredibly self-aware? And it's not just aware from the standpoint of this is just how I am. That's not aware. Being aware is this is how I am because this is where it came from. This is where it started. And it's not just about being aware, but it's about the intention to do something about it, to change, to disrupt that pattern, to break that chain, to create a different result. That's what the work really is. So it's not just about awareness. Awareness is one piece. That is actually a huge start for for most people. Many, many people I, I find just in the society that we're in, culture where don't even, uh, they're not even there yet at the awareness piece. So even just being able to, to bring yourself to a place of self-awareness, and if you are like, I don't know, there's plenty of resources that you know happy to share for sure, but definitely books, definitely podcasts. I'm going to plug, listen to this podcast. Yeah, listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, so many, many different resources like that. You can begin to listen, and it's about becoming open and you have to be in a place where you get to feel like, okay, the way that I'm doing things isn't working Mm -hmm. and I want different. That's very key because if you don't want different and if you're not curious and you're like, I don't need to learn. Everything is great. La 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 la. I want to live in my box. It doesn't really matter any of these resources because it's just going to come up, come off as, you know, stupid and rubbish and garbage to you because it's like, I already know everything. My box is my box. But if you are even in a place of wondering, is there a different way? And I see certain things in my life that are not working, that are destructive. I'm maybe just not happy. I'm maybe not fulfilled. I maybe feel empty. I maybe feel flatlined. Why do I feel like my relationship with my significant other is cold? Why do I feel like my relationship with my children are distant? Why do I feel like I wake up in the morning and I don't feel a sense of joy? It's those little nuggets that give you a, hey, maybe there's something that's not working and maybe we need to find out what that is. Just even starting with that piece is huge because then that can lead you on a path of getting curious about how can I find out more? Yeah, I love the way you explain that. And I want to give context that the reason why you're so passionate about this is because it's because of your curiosity Mm -hmm. and that you took a stand and you were willing to look at yourself and say, well, I guess our relationship is a little bit broken. Maybe it's me. Mm. And you were willing to go and do the work and that's what saved our marriage. And now it's your life's work. Mm -hmm. So really the reason why I can hear the passion and I always, whenever I see you talking about emotional intelligence or, or coaching and and having, having someone really on your winning team is because you've gone through it Mm -hmm. and you've been, you've been in the trenches and you've felt it. You've, you've literally lived through it. And so, I mean, thank you. You were really the one that got me on my journey and had it not been for you, I probably wouldn't be here facing my fears and facing the deepest, most ugly parts of myself and saying, and I still love you. and. Right. Well, and I want to thank you because you were also willing to come on the journey with me. It's one thing for me to do the journey alone and you could have stood off to the sides. Oh, that's really stupid. I don't understand anything that you're doing and I don't agree with it and all that kind of stuff. But you were willing to give it a try. You were willing to say like, okay, I don't fully get this, but yes, I'm willing. And you've always been willing to take that next step, willing to 
be in the trenches and figure it out with me. And it really, a relationship does take two to dance. Mm. And a lot of times you can be in a relationship where one person wants to give it their all and wants to be committed and wants to go all in. And, but if the other person isn't, it still doesn't work. And so I appreciate and thank you for being willing to do the dance with me to figure it out. Cause I think that's what led us to here at this point. And we're still figuring it out. Yeah. It's still not perfect, but we've come so far. And it's because both of us have been willing to commit to taking constantly our relationship and pushing the boundaries for the next cut of like, how much can it continue to get better and improve? And I think if it's, if it's anything, it's you that holds a very high standard for our relationship where a lot of times I've complained and said, Hey, I'm already better than X, Y, Z person. Why aren't you happy? And you're like, well, that's just not my expectation. That's not the level that I live my life at. And yeah, so it's better than regular, but regulars doesn't work here. Like we get to reach for extraordinary. And I think it is you that keeps us not being complacent to continue to, to work on the relationship. So. You know, I want to acknowledge you for that. Aww, thank you. Wow, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we've gone very, very long, <laughs> way past. So, you know, thank you. I think we probably will have to do a part two because I think like, there's some things we didn't even get to scrape the surface to talk about. But um, thank you for being on the podcast with me. This was really fun. This is probably the funnest episode I've ever had. I loved this. Yeah. This really was our kitchen table. Same time every night. We always yeah. talk at this time yeah. every night. So Our therapy sessions. Yeah. And uh, now we just get to share with everybody. Yeah. Awesome. So thank you. And I, I hope that um, <laughs> for those of you that are still listening, uh, hopefully that you were able to, you know, get some laughs out of this and, and take away a few insights from, you know, a little snippet of what it's really taken in our relationship to create the life that we are continuing to move towards continuing to push the boundaries to create a vision where we can have both, where we can create success in our own individual businesses and also have a successful and thriving marriage and successful and thriving family as well. Um, and a successful and thriving relationship with yourself as well. So thank you for joining us on the Yes I Can podcast. Thank you Lou, for being here. My pleasure. <laughs> being my guest. And until next time, keep being fully, unapologetically, authentically you. We'll see you next time. The Yes I Can podcast is directed by Paul Can. Executive producers of the podcast are Paul Can, Chelsea Lynn, and Joyce Sauce.